Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, good morning, church family. How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, it's good to see you. I want to welcome you again to Canyon Creek. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad that you're tuning in today. Uh, We're in the second week of a series that we began last week called Family Life. And in this series, we're talking about raising up the next generation and discipling the next generation, investing in the next generation. We're talking a lot about family. Um, And I want to remind you right off the bat that this is not a series that is just for parents, okay? We're going to talk a lot about parenting in this series, but I want to remind you and I want you to really understand that this is not just for parents. In other words, if you're not a parent, I don't want you to see this as a free pass to miss a couple weeks of church because this isn't just about parents. It's about how we invest in and raise up and disciple the next generation. And the reality is very little matters more than that, all right? Very little matters more than how we invest in our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and nieces and nephews and neighbor kids and church kids. Very little matters more than that. Very little matters more than what we teach the kids about the world and about God and about the truth of his word and about themselves and about the church. So we're going to talk about this just for a few weeks uh, here. And today what we're going to talk about is family values. Uh, And what I really hope to do today is challenge your understanding of that phrase, family values. Um, We're going to talk about a big family value uh, and really what that looks like according to scripture. Uh, We're not going to go through a hundred family values today. We're just going to talk about what I believe is the most important and essential truth that uh, we need to understand when it comes to our families or our future families or our relationship with our grandchildren or our adult children or the children that we're investing in in the church. We're going to talk about today what really matters most And I want to prepare you from the beginning. This isn't a message about family values in terms of a political perspective. It's not a message about family values in terms of us versus them. Uh, It's not a message about family values in terms of we have them and they don't, okay? That's not what this is about. This is about something that is far more important than any of those ways of thinking. Today, we're going to talk about connection. And the reason that I want to talk about connection is because I believe we live in a very disconnected society, right? Overall, we're very isolated, and every time we see another horrible story on the news, it's almost always about an isolated person who believes something very different uh, than what the rest of us believe or how the rest of us understand and think. And through those news stories, we find out that we're a very disconnected society. We're a very disconnected people And when we look back through scripture, we see that God created this institution called the family. And he created the family before he ever created the church. He created the family before he ever created any other human institution. And when he created the very first family, he said, I want this to be a place where love and deep relational connection is cultivated. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why God created the family for deep relational connection. And then Jesus came along 2,000 years ago and he created the church and he established the church and we're sitting in one today. We're carrying on this tradition. But when we look at some of the New Testament books like Romans and 1 Corinthians and Galatians, we see this idea repeated over and over and over again 
that there's no longer any division between people, right? Now that Jesus has come, there's no longer any division over ethnicity. There's no longer any division over, over slave versus master. There's no longer any division over gender, right? We're all one in Jesus Christ. The, the blood of Jesus purchased something better than division. The blood of Jesus purchased something more precious than that, and it's oneness, it's unity in God's family, So the bottom line is this, as we talk about family for these few weeks here, is that God is gathering a family together and he wants you to be a part of it. He's gathering a family to himself, a family of redeemed people, and he wants you to be connected to that family. He wants you to know him. He wants you to be a part of his family. So we're gonna get really practical in this series. Last week, I sort of casted a vision for why we need to talk about this. And if you missed last week, I really wanna encourage you to take 30 minutes this week and go online and watch or listen to that and really absorb that vision for the series. I think it's an important foundation for the rest of what we're gonna talk about. But as we continue today, we're gonna talk about what really matters most and that is connection. I believe the single most important family value is deep relational connection. Connection to God and connection to one another. And my prayer for you today is that you'll develop a deep hunger in your soul for deep relational connection in the family of God. Then over the next few weeks, we're gonna get specific on how we do that. We're gonna talk about how to create connection. We're gonna talk about how to strengthen connection. We're gonna talk about communication, right? How do we share? How do we listen? How do we communicate our feelings? How do we connect with one another? How do we clearly and in a healthy way communicate what's in our heart and then receive from the heart of someone else? How do we do that? How do we do all of that in a way that builds us and grows us and makes us healthier rather than tearing us down? So we're gonna get practical. We're gonna talk about discipline. And if discipline to you is simply about correcting past behavior or correcting something that's already been done, I don't want you to miss that. We're going to challenge the definition of discipline just a little bit. We're going to redefine what discipline is really all about because discipline, according to scripture, should be about shaping the future, not just correcting the past. So we're going to wash that away and really look at biblical discipline and what that looks like. And then We're gonna wrap it up and talk about how we can live on mission as a family and carry out the Great Commission as a family. And just like we talked about in our series on David, we don't just want our families to survive, right? We don't just wanna live at the success level. We want to experience lives of significance in our families. So we're gonna finish with that. But today, what really matters most? Here it is. The single most important family value is deep relational connection, okay? with God and with one another. That's the single most important value your family can have, okay? Now, let me be very clear. I stand here today as a pastor in an evangelical church. So when I use the phrase family values, many of you immediately have something that comes to mind, okay? For most people, it's a political issue. When we talk about family values, you think of political issues, When we talk about family values, it sometimes comes out as that idea, it's us versus them, right? Or like I said before, it's we have values and they don't. Here's the problem with that. The problem with all of those ways of thinking is we tend to view family values in terms of what other people need to learn. We tend to think of family values in terms of what other people need to hear. And what we really need to do is think about family values in terms of what my family desperately needs. That's it. 
We need to think about family values in terms of what's going to affect my family, my life, my children, right? We need to talk about the issues that affect our kids. Family values aren't necessarily things that we use to yell at people outside of the church. Family values aren't necessarily the things that are in the news right now. Family values have to do with what families value. And what I want you to value more than anything else is deep relational connection that desperately needs to happen within a family. A deep relational connection with God and a deep relational connection with one another. That deep relational connection is far more important than any of the issues that come to mind when we think of family values. That relational connection is far more important than anything that comes to mind when we think about political issues or issues in the news. So we really need to start by asking ourselves the question, am I laying a foundation for my family that is built on a political ideology or am I laying a foundation for my family that is built on Jesus Christ? That's the question we need to ask. Am I laying a foundation for my family that is built on a political ideology or am I laying a foundation for my family that is built on the word of God? Let me just tell you, one is sand and one is rock. And what I see happening today is I see a lot of families who are laying a foundation for their family on a political ideology, thinking that they're laying a foundation that is built on Jesus Christ. And what's going to happen with this foundation when the storms of life hit is the house is gonna crumble, okay? So we're not talking about family values in terms of what might immediately come to your mind when you think of family values. We're gonna talk about something that is significantly more important than that, okay? We're also not gonna talk about family values in terms of the rules that our families follow. Rules have a place, but rules are not values. And if we're not careful, we get really lazy. And what we do is we trade the values that God really wants us to have in our families for a long list of rules. And when we do that, we miss the bigger point. We miss what matters most, okay? So let's for a second think about the very first family. Let's think about the story of Adam and Eve the very beginning of the Old Testament, God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, this place, paradise, and he gave them a few things that they needed to do, right? And he gave them one thing that they must not do. And what did they do? That one thing, right? They disobeyed God with that one rule. And because of their shame over breaking that rule, they decided, well, we're gonna hide from God. In this moment, they lost their deep relational connection with God. That connection was severed, that connection was broken because they broke this one rule that they were not to break. And the rest of the Old Testament is a very long story of the nation of Israel, the people of God rebuilding, re-solidifying over and over and over and over again. And throughout that process, a whole lot of rules came into play. It started early on with the 10 commandments And then all of a sudden, there were a whole lot more than just 10. There were ceremonial laws that were written. There were moral laws that were written. There were ritualistic laws that were written. There were additional commandments that were written about the original commandments. And by the end of the story, there are just over 640 commandments or rules that are spelled out throughout the Old Testament. So their idea was... If we just get enough rules, right? If we can just get these issues settled, if we can just follow these rules, if we can just figure out where we stand on these 640 issues, then we'll have a healthy situation, right? Fast forward, Jesus enters into the world in an extremely unhealthy situation, right? 
There's a strong sense of religion. There's a strong sense of works-based faith. There's plenty of rules, plenty of discussions about rules, plenty of discussions about roles and responsibilities. There was something significant missing from the heart of Israel. There was something significantly missing from the heart of God's people. What was it? It was connection. The connection was gone. God's people were divided. They were isolated. They were separated. They were prideful. They were using their religion. They were using their following of the rules as a tool of superiority over other people. So they had the rules right. They were following the rules. They had the roles right. They had the responsibilities right. But they were missing out on what really mattered most. They were missing out on deep relational connection. They were missing out on what it was all about. So maybe you're here today, you're thinking, great, a series on family. We're gonna talk about family values. We're gonna talk about all the rules. We're gonna talk about who should bring home the bacon. We're gonna talk about who should sweep the floors, who should do the laundry. We're finally gonna talk about the way my spouse was raised and how different it is than the way I was raised. And Josh is gonna sort all of that out for us and we're not gonna fight anymore. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not here to sort any of that out for you because I don't think the Bible tells us who needs to sweep the floors. What the Bible tells us is that the family is all about connection. Tells us that life is all about deep relational connection to God and to one another. It's the greatest, most important commandment and the second one that is just like it, okay? So we're not gonna focus on political issues. We're not gonna talk about a bunch of rules, responsibilities. If that's what you want in a family series, I can almost guarantee that what you really need is a better understanding of what family is all about. That's it. And that's deep relational connection, okay? So Jesus came, he entered the world at a time where there was a strong sense of religion, works-based faith. He came at a time where there was a strong emphasis on the rules. And he got into a lot of arguments with the religious leaders about it. And the funniest part of this is we read about this in scripture and we still spend a lot of time in these very same arguments, okay? So I wanna look at one today. It's found in Mark chapter 12 and I want us to see what Jesus said because it's so important. Uh, But Jesus is basically entering into a conversation, an argument among believers, among people of faith who were arguing about things that didn't really matter. Okay, here's what it says. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 20. I wanna read one sentence and we're gonna stop. It says, one of the scribes approached. Let's pause right there, okay? I know we just read one sentence, five words, but let's pause right there and think about this. What does it say? It says, one of the scribes approached. In other words, this is a religious leader, okay? This is a scholar. This is a teacher of the law. This is a person who spent their lives studying the Bible that they had at the time, which was a majority of the Old Testament, right? Chances are this person probably had memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They knew it by heart, right? They were able to write it down by memory and that's what they spent their days doing. So a Bible scholar of all people approaches Jesus. When Jesus heard them debating, when they were arguing about things that didn't matter, And Jesus was answering their questions. This scribe, this Bible scholar asked Jesus, which command is the most important of all? Now we look at this part of the story and we're like, this is silly, right? But we have these arguments all the time. 
Which of these are the most important? Which rules do we need to value the most? Let's lay down the law. We argue about these things that don't matter all the time. Here's what Jesus said, verse 29. He said, the most important is, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He says, the second is love your neighbor as yourself. The mouth of Jesus, the voice of Jesus says, there is no greater command than these. So the scribe, the the Bible scholar, the religious leader says to him, you're right, teacher. You have correctly said that God is one and that there is no one else except him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. In other words, this scribe, this religious leader is saying, this is far more important than all of the other religious duties we seek to fulfill. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I want to read that again. He says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to question him any longer. Okay. This is a shutdown moment. It's a mic drop moment, right? And there's a lot to be said about this story, about this religious leader of the law giving verbal credence to Jesus, okay? Jesus came and he was a teacher, but he didn't have all of the same earthly qualifications that the Pharisees and Sadducees, that these scribes had, right? And that was one of the problems that they had with Jesus, right? He didn't have the right credentials. He came and he was teaching people and people were following him and listening to what he had to say, but he didn't have the the seminary degree, right? So here comes a guy who does have the right credentials. Here comes a guy who does have the right education. Here comes a guy who has the right degree on his wall and he's verbally affirming before the crowd, Jesus is right. So when Jesus sees that this guy understands, he says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now, what does he mean by that? I think what Jesus is trying to get across is that the kingdom of God, the dominion of God, the rule of God, the reign of God, his purpose on earth has far more to do with love than the law, okay? Now, does that mean that God doesn't have rules? Don't hear what I'm not saying, right? He absolutely does. Does that mean that God isn't righteous? No, he's perfectly righteous. Does that mean that God overlooks and turns a blind eye to sin? No, he confronted sin head on. So God is righteous. He is holy. He is just. He is perfect in all of his ways. He is the God of the law. But in these two greatest commandments, Jesus lets us know that if you love if you become love, if you cultivate love, if you practice love, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, everything else is gonna work out. Everything else is gonna be okay. Everything else is going to fall into place. If you can embody God's divine love, if you can embody his righteous love for people and seek that deep relational connection with him and with others. If you can choose love over anger, if you can choose love over hate, love over judgment, love over division, love over fear, love over pride. If you can choose love and cultivate love and seek love, the law is going to take care of itself, okay? In other words, Jesus is telling us that the written law is in a sense wrapped up in these two greatest commandments 
to love God and love people, okay? So let's all take a big deep breath for a second because that's very simplifying, right? That's so much easier. What do you have to do today to honor God and live a life worthy of his calling? We could write a long list of things, right? I need to pray every day. I need to read my Bible. I need to go to church. I need to give some money away. I need to let someone cut me in line sometimes, right? If they don't have that much in their cart, right? I need to serve people who are in need. The list goes on and on and on. All kinds of wonderful things that we could add to the list, all kinds of wonderful things that we should really do. And then there's another long list of all the things that we're not supposed to do if we really want to honor God and live a life worthy of his calling, right? So we have this long list of rules. And if we follow the rules, we think we're better. If we follow the rules, we think we're more spiritual. If we follow the rules, we think we're more mature. And then Jesus came along and he said, listen, the heartbeat of the law is love. That's why I'm saying the single most important family value is deep relational connection with God and with each other. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If you're here to argue me with that today, you're arguing against the greatest commandment in scripture. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that it's the only family value. It doesn't mean that it's wrong to value excellence or ambition, or compassion, or service, or being a good example, or speaking in a way that's encouraging and not using profanity. There's a very long list of really great things you might value as a family, and there's nothing wrong with valuing any of those things. They're all great things to value, but nothing matters more than the greatest commandment in scripture. Nothing matters more than developing a deep relational connection with God and with each other. I want you to think about it like this. You can do all the right things, right? You can raise your kids perfectly. You can treat them right. You can take them to church. You can give them all the right rules to follow. And they can still leave your home not knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that they're loved. And if that's the case, you've failed them. And that would be tragic. Think about how Jesus developed the early church, right? He started by gathering his first 12 disciples out of their various walks of life. We have Simon the Zealot, right? A zealot in Simon's day basically meant that he was a nationalist or a populist. He was angry with Rome and he wanted rebellion. So Jesus went to him and said, I want you to come be my friend. I want you to follow me. I want you to travel with me and learn from me. It's gonna change your life. And then they walked by the tax collector's booth and see Matthew, sitting there, right? And Jesus says to him, why don't you come be my friend? Why don't you come follow me? So now we've got a zealot, a nationalist, a populist, someone who's angry and wants rebellion, and a tax collector, an IRS agent, essentially, if you will. And Jesus pulls them together and says, hey, let's start a church. So you have Jesus, Simon the zealot, Matthew the tax collector, and then Jesus finds John. And John's smart, right? He's educated. And then we add rough and tumble Peter, right? The fisherman with calluses on his hands who constantly puts his foot in his mouth and occasionally cusses, right? And eventually it becomes a group of 12 misfits just like this and he pulls them together and says, I want you guys to follow me. 
And I want you to learn from me and I want you to watch me. And in the early chapters of the Gospel of John, the Bible tells us that these first disciples start following Jesus and watching him from a distance, right? They're not quite ready to get super close. They're watching him from a distance. And when he notices that they're watching him from a distance, he says, I want you to come closer. So they come a little bit closer, right? And then he says, no, 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 I want you to come closer. Why don't you come and stay with me, right? So they just get closer and closer and closer to Jesus. Why don't you sleep where I sleep? Why don't you set up camp with me? Essentially, here's what Jesus is getting at. He's saying to his disciples, why don't you come do life with me? And he spends three years doing life with these people. Now, do you think that he shared some rules with them along the way? Absolutely. He taught Peter all about tithing. He taught Matthew all about taxes and what mattered. In the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about marriage and lust and anger and revenge and a world of different things. So yes, Jesus taught his disciples about morals and rules and ethics and values. He spent a great deal of time teaching them. But we often miss that the way Jesus taught them was by doing life with them. It was all about deep relational connection. And out of that deep relational connection came the teaching, okay? In other words, doing life with them, loving them, living with them, showing them repeatedly throughout their lives, being there for them, healing their hearts, sharing his heart, talking about deep things, talking about important things. Out of that deep relational connection came the teaching. And because of his deep relational connection with his disciples, Jesus was able to teach them everything they needed to know. He taught them about God. He taught them about being people of God. He taught them about being a church, but nothing mattered more than that deep relational connection, all right? So out of this argument that Jesus interrupts in Mark chapter 12, I wanna give you three points today, three big truths about deep relational connection because I don't want you to walk out of here today saying, okay, I get it, but what do I do with this? How do I connect with people? How do I make this happen? And we're gonna go even further into this over the next couple of weeks. We're gonna talk about forming healthy, deep relational connections. We're gonna talk about communication. We're gonna get really practical in these next couple of weeks as we wrap this up. For today, I just really want you to understand the importance of this deep relational connection and why it matters and how we cultivate it. So three points I have from Jesus's words uh, about love being first. Here's the first thing, and I've already made this point, but I want to get it in your notes. It's that nothing matters more than deep relational connection, okay? Nothing in this world matters more than deep relational connection with God and with other people. Why do I feel this way? Mark chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus answered, the most important is listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second most important is love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, there is no command greater than these. In other words, nothing is more important than this. Okay. Well, what about evangelism? What about sharing the gospel? Listen, evangelism isn't going to mean anything to you if you're not already fulfilling the two greatest commandments. It's not gonna happen. So yes, there's a reason that these come first. Plus evangelism travels best on the basis of friendships. 
Evangelism typically happens on the basis of connection. We evangelize and share the gospel with people as we connect with them. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with somebody to share the gospel with them. It doesn't even mean that you have to be friends with them at all. But I truly do believe that the message of the gospel travels best through connection, travels best through relationships, through friendships. And that's why I seem to have a problem with the people who stand on the street and hold up their signs, right? The signs usually say something like, turn or burn, the judgment is coming. And I'm not here to knock them. They're doing a good thing. I wish I had the courage, right? But when I see that, I tend to think, I guess it's okay, but it doesn't seem like they have much of a connection with the people they're yelling at. And I think that's the way the message of the gospel travels. I think we need to share our faith in Jesus on the basis of connection. Why do I think that? Because that's what Jesus did. That's what the church did. And if it worked for Jesus, it's probably going to work for us, right? Nothing in this world matters more than deep relational connection with God and with others. Nothing matters more in your family and in your household than deep relational connection. The most important thing my daughter will see growing up is the deep relational connection that I have or don't with God. The most important thing she's going to see growing up is the deep relational connection I have with her mother. The most important thing she's going to see growing up is the deep relational connection we have with her. And I believe that even if we get some of the rules wrong, even if we get most of the rules wrong, Our children need to grow up learning and understanding what love looks like. And according to Jesus, nothing on this side of eternity matters more than love. That's it. Nothing matters more than deep relational connection. So if I raise my daughter and she follows all the rules, but doesn't feel loved, isn't relationally connected to her family, isn't relationally connected to God, it's all good for nothing, okay? Here's the second thing, number two. Nothing powers connection better than love. Connection is the most important thing. And nothing powers connection. Nothing fuels connection better than love. Love should be the root of all connection. Love should be the root of family. Love should be the root of church. When I love people enough to build a connection with them, and share my story with them and listen to their story and allow our stories to come together, that's when we can begin to talk about God. That's when we can begin to talk about truth. It happens as a result of deep relational connection and nothing powers that connection better than love. That's it. You're never gonna change someone's mind by hating them. It doesn't work. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is a passage of scripture that we read at weddings and forget about as soon as the wedding's over. Truly, it's what happens. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse one, Paul says this, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. 
says, if I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Paul says, love is patient and kind. It's not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. He says prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Nothing in this world matters more than deep relational connection with God and with others. And nothing powers that connection better than love, which leads me to the final thing, number three, there is no greater example of love than Jesus. That's it. Nothing matters more than deep relational connection. Nothing makes that connection happen better than love. And there is no greater example of love than Jesus Christ. He set the tone. He lived his life to prove and demonstrate and illustrate for us what love is. In Romans chapter five, verse eight, the Bible tells us that God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The purpose of the life of Jesus was to accomplish the redemptive work of God. We were lost. We were slaves to sin. Jesus came to be the savior that we needed. He came to redeem for God a family of people saved by his grace, changed by his spirit, born again. And Jesus came with a great purpose, the greatest purpose that anyone has ever lived for, right? And he went all the way to the cross and died to accomplish and fulfill that purpose. And in doing so, he proved his love for us. Listen, someone had to die for our sin and Jesus did it. He laid down his life for his friends. He died so that we could be, as the Bible says, reconciled with God, reconnected, redeemed, brought back into relationship with God, brought back into knowing God. He didn't die just so we could form an organization called the church and do a bunch of religious things. No, he died so that we could know God again. So if you're here this morning and you struggle with deep relational connection, let me just give you some good news. If you're here this morning and you struggle with relationships and people, if you came in here, you struggle with that connection with people. Here's what I want you to know. A deep relational connection with God is possible and he has taken all of the initiative for you. He went first. He sees you, he loves you, and he wants you to be a part of his family. The Bible tells us that we love because he first loved us. He loved us first. He went first. The cross was God's act of redemption on our behalf. And we didn't even know we needed it until it was already done. So if you're here this morning and you're wondering where you should start with all of this, the answer is simply this. Start with Jesus. Start by saying, God, I receive what you've done for me on the cross. Listen, I may not know how to pray yet. 
I may not know how to study the Bible yet. I may not know how to begin to talk to the people in my life about Jesus yet. I may not know how to talk about my issues and my sin and my problems and my pain. I may not be there. I don't know necessarily how to work through all of these things. I don't know how to recover from all of this in my life. You may not know how to do any of that, but there's one thing that you can do, and that's to receive what God has done for you because he went first. He went first. And out of that deep relational connection with God comes deep relational connection with people. And nothing on this earth is more important than that, than loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. So let's start there and build something new, all right? Pray with me today. Father, we come to you, we bow before you this morning and we are reminded of the profound wisdom of these two greatest commandments, to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength and to love our neighbor, Father, as ourself. We're grateful, God, for the understanding that deep relational connection with you and with others are the cornerstones, the foundation of a meaningful life and the most important values we can adopt as families. So help us, Father, to strengthen our connections. We wanna be closer to you. We wanna be closer to the people that you've placed in our lives. We pray, God, that our love for you and our love for others would overflow into every aspect of who we are, every aspect of our lives, guiding our thoughts, our words, our actions. Help us, Father, to see every person we encounter in this life as precious and priceless image bearers that you have uniquely created. Father, help us to love them. May our lives truly be a testimony of your love. And as we leave this place today, may we carry with us the call that you've placed on our lives to fulfill and live out these two greatest commandments. God, we pray that you would just remind us of them in all that we do. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online, you're at a place in your life where you need to start with Jesus. Where that deep relational connection with Jesus, that needs to be your first priority. And the good news of the gospel is that you can find forgiveness and salvation and a relationship with Jesus Christ because God sent him to this world and he lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death on a cross and he was buried in a tomb, but he came out of it alive so that we could be forgiven, so that we could know him, so that we could spend eternity in heaven with him. So if that's you this morning and that's where you wanna start, I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Church, let's make this our prayer together this morning. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, 
visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.